I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Mother to us all. Amen. When have you wanted to throw Jesus off a cliff? Be honest. Okay, perhaps you don't want to throw him off a cliff, but surely he's made you angry from time to time. Or maybe there are times when you'd like to ignore what he has to say, making excuses for why what he's saying doesn't apply to you. Well, at least not right now. So seriously, when have you wanted to throw Jesus off a cliff? You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to pretend that you're too spiritual to get angry at Jesus. After all, his own neighbors want to throw him off a cliff after listening to him in the synagogue today. It's shocking how quickly things have turned in Nazareth. Jesus has gone home. He's visited the synagogue. He read from the prophet Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what we heard last week. And after he proclaims all that, he sits down to teach, and all eyes are on him, and all are speaking well of him. They are amazed by his gracious words. They loved hearing this scripture that announces good news for them. They're thrilled to have Joseph's son come back to announce that today this scripture has been fulfilled. And then... Jesus provokes the crowd. Though they haven't said a word to him yet, he anticipates what they're thinking. They've heard of all his good works he's done elsewhere, and they want him to do the same here, healing and preaching just for them. After all, why wouldn't he do good for his fellow Nazareans? Why shouldn't they expect special treatment from their hometown boy? But Jesus lays out his mission. He's not only for his neighbors. Heck, he's not only for his fellow Jews. He has been sent by God to share good news far and wide. He is called to follow God's will, not his own, not theirs. And then Jesus reaches back into the book of Kings and he tells them some stories. Remember the time when many widows were starving during a three-year famine, he asks? Well, God directed Elijah then to save only one widow from starvation, the widow of Zarephath. And remember that other time of Elisha when so many were suffering from leprosy? Yet none of them were cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. Those are two well-known stories, stories that people would have heard and studied. They are part of their scripture, but they are stories of God choosing to go to the outsider. 
of all the stories Jesus could have told after proclaiming good news for the poor and release for the captive, Jesus chooses these stories of God bringing God's grace and mercy to those on the margin. And those listening in the synagogue, those who were insiders, those who expected a little privilege from their hometown Messiah, well, they're filled with rage. They turn on Jesus and they try to run him off the edge of the nearest cliff. Now, I'm not going to argue that Jesus is being particularly diplomatic here. In fact, he seems to be intentionally provoking his friends and neighbors, goading them into anger. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure why he had to be so rude. But despite his inflammatory rhetoric, he's telling the truth. His mission is much, much larger than his hometown of Nazareth. Last week, I talked about finding meaning and direction by knowing our story, the story, the old, old story. I argue that knowing that we are part of this larger story and that helps us cut through the clutter and the noise of a chaotic world. But this week, we see what happens when part of our story challenges us, knocks against what we assume or what we want when it upends our privilege. This isn't a new phenomenon, of course, though we, we all want God's love and grace and mercy for ourselves. We're not always so sure how we feel when it's offered to others. I mean, who among us isn't annoyed by the parable of the workers in the vineyard? The one where those who show up at the first hour and the ones that show up at the 11th hour are paid the same wage. And think of poor Peter with his resurrected Lord at the end of John's gospel. He's just confessed his love for Jesus three times and Jesus has asked him to feed his sheep, restoring Peter to good standing after his threefold denial. And right after he is Forgiven and shown mercy, Peter notices that the beloved disciple has been following them and churlishly asks, Lord, what about him? And perhaps the most famous example in scripture of someone being jealous of God's love and mercy is Jonah, whose preaching causes the Ninevites to repent, thus sparing them from God's wrath. But instead of rejoicing, Jonah becomes angry praying to God, this is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better to die than to live. And then he goes off to sulk. Somehow, we do not like the news that grace is for all, not just for us. 
Sometimes parts of our story, the wonderful story that helps us make sense of our lives, sometimes it challenges us in ways that we just cannot handle. As Simeon warned when Jesus was presented at the temple, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. A sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many, including us, will be revealed. Well, sometimes our inner thoughts get revealed by the story we love And then we want to push Jesus off a cliff. For here's the thing. The truth will set you free, but first it will tick you off. We love our story when it confirms that we are loved, we are forgiven, we are free in Christ, but then we hear a truth that opposes us. Forgive 70 times seven times. Sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then follow me. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as the citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself. Suffer the little children to come unto me. If I have not love, I am nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love bears all things. The first will be last, the last first. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was in prison and you visited me. All those parts of our story sound great until they speak to us just at the time when we do not want God to be like that. When we do not want God to ask these things of us. The truth will set you free, but first it will tick you off. Sometimes good news can feel a lot like bad news. We can resist it. We can get angry about it. Heck, we can even feel like pushing Jesus off a cliff. But if we can listen to the truth, let it reveal our hearts and then change them. If we can hear the whole story, allowing it to stake a claim on our lives, even the parts we're not ready to give over to God yet. If we can admit that we too, we most of all, but no more than anyone else need God's love and grace and mercy, well then, the good news that can feel like bad news will be good again. And the truth will set us free. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.